Coming up on episode 18 of Off Air with Joe and Oral. We're going to get to know A.J. Pollock a little better, and he lets us know all the experiences, baseball experiences and life experiences that have helped lead to his hot start here in 2020. And, of course, Dave Roberts is with us, gives an update on the first couple weeks of the season, and all three of us give a list of our favorite sandwiches. Yeah, all that and more coming up on Off Air. And today's podcast is brought to you by Security Benefit, UCLA Health, and Q-Cells. Every winning season is built on a strong team, a team committed to executing a solid game plan. At Security Benefit, we want to help you and your advisors build your retirement game plan to help you stay committed during these uncertain times so that when it's time to execute, you know what you've got, a solid team behind you. When it comes to retirement, losing is not an option. Talk to your financial advisor to see how you can plan your retirement. Security Benefit is a proud sponsor of the L.A. Dodgers. Dodger fans, UCLA Health has some great news. They've once again earned the number one position in both California and Los Angeles while jumping up two spots to secure the number four national ranking in the annual assessment of hospitals by U.S. News and World Report. The national honor roll is a distinction reserved for only 20 hospitals among 4,500 evaluated, and UCLA Health has appeared on the list 31 straight years now. This is a remarkable achievement, only possible because of their commitment to the patients they serve. What does offering the best care mean for you? Best care means pride. Best care means trust. Best care means that even amid a pandemic, you can wake up each day with the confidence that the top team in California has your back. Thanks for being a part of the UCLA Health family and allowing them to take care of you. Visit uclahealth.org to learn more about UCLA Health's commitment to your community. Kind of feel like, or you should have read that one and that it involves something about a streak. Oh, I appreciate that. And this one too, maybe. Harness unlimited energy from the sun through solar, a sustainable investment for energy independence. Curious to see if solar is worth it for you? Calculate your savings with Q-Cells, the number one solar panel market share leader and official solar partner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Visit Q-Cells at www.q-cells.us to learn more today. So here's AJ Pollock. I hope you enjoy Listen to this as much as we enjoyed talking with AJ. It's episode 18 of Off Air. Hit it, Frankie. AJ, so your wife, Kate, and your baby daughter, Maddie, joined you in San Diego a couple nights ago. How are you sleeping? Uh, first night, not so good. Uh, yesterday was actually pretty good. Um, I don't know if she's getting more comfortable or what, but it was a much better night. So you, you played pretty well coming off the one hour, though. Maybe that should be your thing. Yeah, I don't know. It worked. I don't know if that's a long-term like success <laughs> thing or if that i'm pretty sure i'm going to need some sleep eventually so but yeah i'm not complaining about the results that's for sure i think that uh dodger fans who follow you closely know by now that maddie was born prematurely 
back in March and just got to go home from the hospital for the first time just a couple of weeks ago. First of all, how is she doing? She's doing great. Yeah, she's doing excellent. She's, uh, she, I mean, if you didn't know she was, you know, born at 24 weeks and you just saw her, she would, uh, you would never know. She's just looks like a normal baby. She had a feeding tube in for, um, the first like five or six days. And that was pretty rough because I mean, it wasn't like an emergency thing. You know, if you have like a breathing situation, that's obviously a, more of a, you know, an alarming thing if something goes wrong, but just having any kind of tube and, um, you know, through her nose and, you know, right before I came back to LA uh, to join the team again, she ripped it out and it was like, I had to hold her down. She's crying, flailing, Kate's trying to feed the tube through her nose and just wasn't, wasn't ideal. It's kind of one of the things you want the doctors to do. You don't have to do that to your own kid, but um, she did well enough that we just were able to take it out. They said, take it on out. She's feeding enough. And um, yeah, I'm excited. She's just uh normal baby now those last few days when you're still in the hospital and they're saying it's getting close you can take her home are you like are you sure are you sure we can take her home or were you excited to take her home were you nervous because of all the things you might have to do well it you kind of that last stage for preemies is like they say look it could be a two-week deal or it could be a two-month deal so um we were almost thinking we would be taking her home before the season started. You know, I just kept, you just don't know, you know, there's some really sick babies that they, they're not doing well the whole way through. And then they get to the feeding stage and it's just, bam, they just start feeding like crazy and they go home super early. So Maddie was, uh, she was, she was good. She wasn't, you know, breaking any records with it. And, um, we were kind of for like two months straight, just, you know, ready for her to come home and she looks great, but she just wasn't quite there. And pretty frustrating for Kate. I mean, you get to that point though, and you're just like, look, she's, you know, all the scary stuff where you think, you know, that her survival is at risk here. We're not dealing with that anymore. We're just dealing with the, the feeding. So we just, just patience, you know, it's frustrating, but you just, we just had to be patient. And then um, when I left the team, I was just like, I'm still, I'm hoping that she's coming home. You know, I'm pretty, about 90% sure, but that would have been tough if I had to go home and then something happened and we had to keep her there for longer, but it worked out really well. And then it wasn't just that you hadn't taken her home yet, but correct me if I'm wrong, this was the first time all three of you were together just because of the COVID protocol? Yeah, well, sort of. So like I was there when Maddie, you know, they delivered Maddie. So okay. but it, it was, I mean, cause you imagine you have a one point, you know, one pound, six ounce baby sure. and, uh, she comes out and it's, I think there, there had to have been, I know, I know every single nurse that's in the room now really well, but at the time you're just like, I don't know anyone, probably 30 people in the room. And so she's born, everyone's got a job in the room and, you know, they want to make sure the mom sees the baby and, you know, and, and the father too, but it's like, here's your baby three seconds and you just have all this thing. And then it's gone. And you're like, everyone leaves the room and you're just, it's you and your wife and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> so we waited 128 days and then, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Then we saw her together. Um, all the nurses that were just came so close to us. I mean, they're, they were our only friends through this whole thing. We weren't even allowed to see, you know, any of our friends, family, just because of how crazy the COVID was. And, you know, we're, we're talking to all these nurses 
individually. You know, we know them, but not together. It's not like we're talking to them together. So then we are all there with all of them. See Maddie and just a pretty cool scene. Honestly, we just, all the patience and all the, the days of just repetitive, you know, day after day after day. And then um, just being able to see her was awesome. It was- yeah, we're, we're so glad, so glad that things are, are going well with Maddie and for you and Kate. This is, you're wrapping up, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, final day of the first road trip. That stuff aside, how different is life on the road in 2020? Way different, way different. I feel bad for a lot of the rookies coming in here and, uh, you know, you go to the minor leagues and you have to grind through some stuff uh, when you're on the road. It's, I mean, we're all you've seen. Well, you both, both, Joe, you've been, you know, I know you were in the Southern League and stuff, but. Yeah, you get to the big leagues and, you know, you get to enjoy the travel. Everything's just easier and uh, not so much this year. It's just um, just challenging. You know, we I think at this point we're all we're all good with it. We kind of know the stuff we have to do. And um, but, yeah, it's not it's not the easiest of uh, situations for anyone. The clubbies, the players, the managers. Um, it's just uh, it's just different for sure. Do you have a schedule? Do you have a routine with the new normal? You a coffee guy? Uh, is room service like already ordered the night before? Do you put <laughs> it out on your door? Well, yesterday I was about six coffees deep. Um, <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I was caffeinated last night. Um, yeah, you know what? I think just the thing that I changed, and it was I just the first day in Houston, I kind of realized, look, it's not – you come to the baseball field, and it's a great – it's a cool environment. You get to be around your teammates, your your – getting your work in, but then you get also take a 20, 30 minute breather and hang out with the guys and go grab a bite to eat. That's not really how it goes down anymore. So I just kind of, for me, I just try to, I'm showing up a little bit later to the field. just a little bit less downtime at the park. And um, I guess it's going to be different too. Everyone's got a different setup. I think, you know, the Padres setup right now is pretty incredible. Um, it's outdoors too, which is nice. So you don't have to, you know, when you're indoors, you're trying to be super, super careful. I'm not saying you're not being careful outdoors, but you feel like you can go away and be in a safe environment. If you have to be in the stands and make a call or do something, but it's different. It's strange. I'm sure. I mean, you guys are doing stuff at home, broadcasting the games. It's bizarre, but it is what we're dealing with. So. Another thing that we haven't touched on yet, I mean, you, you've lived a whole life here in 2020 with everything you personally have gone through. You actually had COVID. So I, I guess two-part question, what was the experience like? And then how did that affect your decision to play or not to play? Because a lot of people speculated that you could be an opt-out candidate, not knowing anything about where your head was at, but given Maddie's situation and, and what you guys were going through. Yeah, it was strange. Um we, we haven't seen anyone. You know, that's the bizarre thing. Kate's family's from Australia. They can't even get here. Uh, my family wanted to come in, but we just said, look, it's just another thing we have to, you know, we don't want you flying in for your health reasons, but also, you know, we're being super careful with a baby in the NICU. So um, I didn't see anyone. You know, we were going to the grocery store. We had some amazing friends that would drop off groceries for us. We would sanitize them. We were about as careful as you get. And I just remember I had a, I, had, I didn't get much sleep one night and then it was, I thought it was because our air conditioning broke and uh, I didn't think anything of it. Just felt a little dehydrated. felt just a little bit just tired. And I went, went to see Maddie and um, came back. I was supposed to see her the afternoon. And I just remember thinking like, I don't know. I just, 
you know, if I'm not hundred percent, I'm just not going to go see her. I had nothing in my head that said I had thought I had the coronavirus. Um, but when I told Kate that she was panicked and then she told me I got to go get tested and, uh, I slept upstairs, even though we thought we were being so over the top. Um, and then I got a call the next morning. Kate kind of went up to give me, you know, let the dog in and say hi to me. And then that's how I got the phone call literally right then. The guy's like, yep, you got the coronavirus. And so I was like, it was, just, it honestly, it was like, you can imagine she was like screaming, what, what? You have? And I was dogs trying to jump up to say hi to me i'm like yelling at the dog to get out of the room and then it was like okay this is i have the coronavirus then it was like i gotta let the doctors know i gotta let the nurses know and um it was tough you know that was, that was kind of frightening that part because then they they quarantined maddie and then there's three other babies that are in the same pot as her so those babies got quarantined um Kate had to get tested, um, and the babies got tested four or five times. It was just scary, and then it was just kind of brutal thinking that I knew it was going to happen, you know, the NICU, that someone's going to have some exposure, and I'm like, I cannot believe this is me because I've been – there's not one thing, there's not one person I've been in contact with, and so uh, um, that part was tough. I was fine. I mean, I had a couple days of feeling pretty brutal, but – it was just more thinking about, you know, I got a, I got a baby. I'm just kind of just praying that she didn't get it. Um, and then also then I have Kate and Kate's just, you know, telling a mom she can't go see her, her baby is like, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, and so then I kept thinking, you know what? Kate has to quarantine for 10 days. I got to quarantine for 14. I can't have Kate get this by day eight, you know, or something. So and then she'd have to quarantine another 14 days. So I just left. I went out to LA and quarantined there. Just I just didn't want to risk her potentially getting it. So it was a mess. It was absolute mess. So, I mean, then we read about the conversation that you and Kate had about do you play, do you not play? I would imagine the fact that you now had some immunity helped your case, encouraged you a little bit to go back and play. But what else went into the decision to ultimately decide to play? It's weird. I mean, I... You know, I said that Kate pretty much said, can you watch these guys win a World Series um, from the couch? You know, like we never really sat down and had a conversation. I, I kept asking him, like, you OK with me playing? Because, you know, I know this is this is weird. You know, it's not it's not just a straightforward thing. You know, I had conversations with Buster Posey, who's got two babies in the NICU uh, that he adopted. And I mean, he was asking me for advice. And I'm like, I, you know, look, I got like. I can tell you what the NICU's like, but I, it's not a, I don't know anything more than anyone else, you know? So it just became a situation where, um, I got it. Like you said, um, it almost was like a sign. Like, like you had it, I got it at a kind of a, a weird, a strangely like convenient time where I was just going to miss a little bit of the summer camp. And then, no, we both felt like we just do our best. I mean, I literally go from the field, shower at the field, go home. I don't say, I don't even say hi to her. I literally go right, clothes off, shower, new clothes. I mean, we're just doing everything we can. We're being as safe as we can. Um, it's strange. It's strange, but um, we're both on board. And I didn't have to push Kate to play. She really was um, fully supportive of me playing and, um, 
And I think it's good too. I think it's good for us right now that I'm playing. She gets to watch me. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's solid too. And, and then I think other thing too was uh, when we were going through this, just the, the prayer group we had with the Dodgers. I mean, I couldn't even, you won't believe the text messages I was getting from the groups, you know, the wives group, they have their own group. I mean, they were like, this is what's going on with Kate. Um, this is what, you know, everyone is just pouring into her the entire time while we're going through this um, on my end. I mean, same thing. And it's just like, it's terrifying, but like everyone was like there with us, you know, while we're going through it. So now we have this weird thing. It's like, look, I'm dealing with something at home, but these are the, these are the people that were, were there with me. These are the people that were praying for you, praying for Maddie and literally all of them. They were like, what can we do? We'll drop anything to do anything for you. So that, that made it, it made us feel really good about, you know, we're going to do our best um, to be as safe as possible. And, um, you know, we get to be surrounded by people that were, were truly just there with us while we were going through it. To change the subject just a little bit, but your teammates and the families of the Dodgers have gotten to know you very well, but the Dodger fans, because of the off and on of last year and your first year in L.A., the, the fans haven't really gotten to completely know you. Who are you as a player and as a person off the field that you could tell the fans? Um, man, that's a deep question. <laughs> Oral's a deep guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's just let's just start with: Did you ever think you'd be this player that you are today? I have a lot. I mean, I have a lot of confidence in myself for sure. Um, I kind of felt like, um, I guess, as a player. I mean, I didn't really get recruited that that highly, and out of you know, out of high school, I uh, it was between UConn and Notre Dame. Jumped in last second. I didn't really have many other schools. It was like the Naval Academy, I was going to go on a visit there. University of Vermont wanted me, but they didn't even have a team the next year, so I'm glad they didn't <laughs> tough to play. Uh, so I kind of locked into going to Notre Dame. It was uh, one of their players fell through. And then um, I played really well. I had you know kind of a chip on my shoulder in college, and I played really well. And um, Were you thinking pro ball even when you were having trouble finding a school? No, definitely not. <laughs> It was, you know, for me, it was, um, I didn't have many, ex much exposure at all to scouts. You know, I, I very rarely was, you, you know, you hear of a scout coming to a game where I played. So um, it was really just what's the next level? Like, what's the next step? And it was playing D1. And then D1 was like, okay, uh, I wanted to go to the Cape, you know. And so in the Cape, that's kind of where it put me on the map. Um, before that I was just the, always the underdog, like nobody really talked about me. And then the Cape kind of put me into first round category. And then minor leagues was kind of the same thing. I was kind of, they were talking about other prospects and, you know, I'm like, all right, kind of, I don't know. I just, I, I felt like I've always played with a little bit of a chip and, um, I think in the big league, same thing. It was, you know, it was always just the other guys they were talking about, <laughs> You know? yeah. and I guess, you know what? Most players probably say stuff like that. Everyone plays, oh, no one talks about it. But I, I just, I feel like I just like to uh, to go out there and just try to let my, my, my game speak for itself. And, um, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if that explains who I am. But it's, No, that's great. That's great. Oral took you to a deep place, and you went right there with him and nailed it. So, well done. <laughs> uh, 
the elbow infection last year. Mm. How did that happen? I don't know. That's a, it's a, uh, it's a weird one. I mean, it, it, I guess it, if I'm explaining it, it happened in at Wrigley field in the locker room. Um, just an innocent kind of scrape your, your elbow. Um, and then I knew, I mean, for me, I knew I had a surgery there, so I want to be super careful with it. Mm-hmm. We trainers were putting, I mean, they were talking, the scrape was like, I mean, that big, you tiny. know, like tiny. I mean, they're probably thinking, what are you even doing in the, in the training room? And it went away. It went, you know, about three or four days, it went away. And then all of a sudden we got in a plane and it just blew up. And, um, yeah, I went to the doctor. I didn't feel really good about it. I texted my doctor to do the surgery. He said, I'd go to the emergency room. And I was like, crap. Okay. Uh, talk to Neil, Neil's rampy, our trainer. And he's, he agrees. Like, let's go. We went right there. I was nervous, but I just thought it was like, Hey, drain it antibiotics. I'll see you tomorrow. And then literally right away, like I got calls from the LA doctors who got the word of what's going on. They're like, you're going to go on the 60 day DL. You're going to, there's a good chance. There's most likely we're going to have to remove all the hardware in your elbow. And we're going to be multiple surgeries to clean out the infection. And then, I mean, they just dropped that on me. I'm like, what? But not really the, the way you want to start with a new team. <laughs> and you've had so many of those stupid little things. Not little, but you know what I mean. Things where it's like, why me? You gotta, you're only human. You got to be asking yourself that. Like, how does something like this happen to me again? Yeah, I mean, it's t- I mean, I, it, it's weird because when you go through, I've had some injuries, and it's you know, there's a lot of people that have gone through. I mean, I'm, we're talking, you know, sports injuries here. You know, people have got real other stuff. Sure. Uh, but I think when you've gone through some adversity and you keep going through it, when I first got injured, it was like, you're like in a dream for like a week. You know, like if I did this or that, and now it's like, okay, like what's the next step? All right. I mean, obviously it's, this stinks. Like yeah. it's brutal, but like, what's the next step, you know, what's the next checkpoints. And, you know, you're kind of like, you don't really get, for me, I don't really go into that dreamy stage, you know, it's just kind of like, you just move ahead, you know? And I think the same thing with Maddie was really rough and it was like, felt like a, it felt like a nightmare, but then, you know, for me, it was like, okay, maybe it took like, couple hours and then it was like what are we what do we got next you know what's the next stage and it's tough too for kate you know you get the you know you're a woman you give birth and it's just like the hormones and all that i mean that's that's the that was the tough part was uh i mean she had to deal with a ton more than i did but injuries yeah i mean i think injuries probably helped me with with maddie to be honest with you just because i've had some weird stuff happen for sure well, when you came back from the injury, you were much more comfortable. You even said kind of stepping back, and even though it was a very tough time, stepping back and seeing your teammates play, kind of processing the whole, I'm in L.A. now, now I can just kind of go back to playing. And it looks like then and even now this year, you are at a different level of comfort. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's a uh, – I think I learned a lot. I learned so much about myself that first – I mean, I was terrible I was, for, I think it was like a month and a half. I was, I was bad, you know, and 
And I don't think it was so much anything besides just me being just off, you know, just my whole trying to figure things. I mean, really it's, I mean, now I just, I, I like to just, you know, no matter what happens, you're just kind of rolling. You're just kind of moving through it. You're kind of got a little flow to whatever you're doing. Your whole day's got a flow and just kind of understanding that um, it's, everything's connected. You know, you get in traffic and you're, you know, you're upset because you're, you're 20 minutes late and you're, you know, you're, you're start, stop, go on the, on the highway. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like, okay, now you're like, let's relax the plate. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's all connected. And, um, I think going through that, like you don't learn that unless you stink for a little while and you go, <laughs> Hey, like you have to take a step back and you got to say, look, this is, uh, this is probably what's going on. And, you know, you just, you figure that stuff out. You look like you're in a great place right now. What was the off season like trying to get back to that place after the, the rough October? And then you got to sit on that and stew on it with the longest off season ever. So what was the focus this winter and how have you been able to apply that as we've gotten going here with the real games? Yeah. Like you said, I mean, that was a horrible, you know, for the playoffs too, I felt really good coming into it. And I just, I mean, that was the worst uh, 15 or so at bats I've ever had. Um, it is weird about that too, is I just, I kind of kept going over those and, you know, you're, we're so close to being the nationals and I, you know, I literally contributed zero to it. Um, you know, and, uh, I had, you know, I, I had some at bats that were actually okay. And I had some at bats that were horrible and they all ended up in strikeouts. So it was like, great. That was pretty, pretty awful. Um, and you just get to a point where you're like, it doesn't define you as a player. You know, it's not going to define me. I'm going to get back to the drawing board. I'm going to get, back at it and um got to work um brant brown our hitting coach lives in arizona he was he was and is just a huge part of what's going on with me right now because uh you know when maddie was in the hospital like he knew my situation he knew it's not going to be like most guys you know this i'm not going to be able to go to camelback ranch and get the work in like a lot of these guys i have a cage in my house but like just sitting there and hitting um with no eyes on you is just not going to work. He lives probably 50 minutes away and he is a busy man. He's got all sorts of guys that um, he's working with, uh, with the Dodgers. And he would, he would come out of his way and, and work with me. He worked with me all off season. We felt like we got to a pretty good place. And, um, and then spring training inside me, mean, it's pretty bad in spring training too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you kind of feel good. And then you're like, okay, like I've gone a little bit, a little bit too long without squaring up some baseballs here. Um, Do you got some boxes that you check? Like when you know you're locked in? Yeah. You know, it's for me, it's just, a, it's just, I can, when I watch video, it's more uh, like, what do I look like? What, what's the, what's the body language? What's kind of my rhythm, you know? And that's kind of the first thing for me, obviously the mechanics, I'm going to, I'll dig into for sure with, with Brownie and Robert and Aaron, mm -hmm. but like, um, you know, the first thing is just, I mean, do I look like I'm kind of, do I look like I have some swagger out there? Do I look like I have some rhythm? Um, are you hitterish? Hitterish, exactly. You know, it's, it's just, that's the first thing. And, um, I think, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't like blaming anything. I mean, in spring, it was, we were dealing with Maddie too. I mean, we had, we were in the hospital. It, stuff wasn't right for a while. Um, that was tiring. That kind of threw me a little bit, but I also learned a lot about my swing there too, because we did a lot of stuff that we thought were going to be great. And then, you know, hats off to Brownie because he said, I don't think this is going to be something we're going to bring into a game. It looks good in flips, but, um, you know, he was able to, he, we both learned a lot about my swing. We were able to get me just felt like we were in good positions to hit kind of moving into summer camp. Um, and so I felt really good coming into it. I didn't it took like two at bats, uh, off of guys. And I really didn't get much like actual work when you break it down, but I was, you know, whenever I could, I go to my cage and I just felt like I was in really good positions and, um, he felt really good where I was at too. So, um, so that's why when I came to summer camp, I felt really good about things. I felt like, yeah, okay, and maybe the reps, I didn't get as many as I, as you usually get, but, like, it's, it's all good. And I mean, I'm, I'm in a good place. When you look at video, you said you look at video to see where you're at. When you look at video from early on last year and the postseason last year, what do you see? How do you describe yourself? And now, when you look at video from these first couple of weeks, how do you describe what you see? Um, I think... I think last year I did a really good job the second half of the year of just like, just fighting, you know, I, I kind of, I, I lost a bunch of months and I, I, you know, I didn't, wasn't able to do a whole lot cause I had to, you know, I had the pick line in, but I wasn't able to run. I wasn't able to do things. But when I came back, I was just, I was comp- competing, you know, so it was still kind of fighting, you know, I'm not, and then this year I just feel like got a little more flow. To what I'm doing I just feel like it's more natural whereas last year yeah I might have had good results that second half and I'll take them and I'm proud of it because it's not it really isn't easy I know guys that go through certain injuries and it's tough it's not it's not the easiest thing to uh to have to go through but um I uh I, I think right now I haven't watched too much video honestly it's been kind of cool I've been really just I haven't been, I usually am watching a ton of video and I'm not really watching a whole lot of video myself right now. Um, and, um, I don't know. I'm, I think in the past, maybe I've gotten too into that, probably gotten too stuck there. And, uh, now it's like, you know, I'm, I'm more into, okay, that's, that feeling was right. Like my, I thought my game yet yesterday when I went over four or two days ago, over four, my last of that was terrible, but my first three, I didn't have the greatest results, but I just felt I felt like I was where I needed to be and just that feeling, you know, I feel, I think the start of this year is, has been a lot, a lot less fight, you know, a lot fighting things and just kind of doing. Can you believe AJ that we're like 20% into the season? <laughs> no, it's crazy. <laughs> if we win the world series and we'll do it on uh, like a very short kind of efficient way to do it for sure. Yeah. yeah. AJ, this has been great. You know, we talked about it at the start that maybe Dodger fans didn't get a chance to know you over your first year. Hopefully they got a chance to hear, and uh, I know they're going to like what they hear. The Dodgers are very lucky to have you and your family and the organization. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Now we got Dave Roberts joining us from the road in the final day of the road trip in San Diego. Dave, it's good to have you on again. What was the best thing you saw this week? So there's a lot of good things I saw, um, but I think what tops the list, I think you saw on many top tens this week was the throw from Mookie Betts to right field. Um, 
you know, it, it's a play where Gonsolin is making his uh, first start this year. Could have potentially been a leadoff triple. That's where he made his debut and it went south in that first inning. Mookie Betts, Betts picks up a ball in the corner in right field, guns it online, and I thought he just airmailed the cutoff man. It was on a dime. Nails, nails Marte, and it just kind of flipped the tone of the game. Awesome. For me, Joe, it was going to your house after the Sunday day game and seeing Charlotte and Blake watching you do ribs on the green egg, hanging with Libby and mom and Rick Krajewski and just having a nice family day. That was a lot of fun. You're a sweetheart. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't get the invite for that one. We're going to keep you quarantined. That's right. That's right. I th- I think that's the old fashions talking, Oral. Well, I am coming not, down. Not from that you're the currently on them. I just mean the old fashions <laughs> I fed you Sunday night. You didn't mention Ooh, those. With the bitter too, I'm sure. Uh, oh, Dave, you got to have this recipe. This old fashioned recipe is to die for. I sent it to him. He's got it. Yep. Okay. Uh, right. Best thing I saw this week. How about Dustin May's two seamer to Manny Machado <laughs> to finish him off? So you know what's funny is that you see from the side, I see the swing. And you see the look that Manny gives, but you really can't appreciate it unless you see what you guys saw. So I went back after the game and saw the replay, and I just couldn't believe what that ball did. He's something, man. I mean, we talk about – Oral and I were talking about this last time. You've got Kershaw Day and you've got Bueller Day, but now it's like that stuff is so lively, so ridiculous that we find ourselves giddy for his start days too. May Day. I love That's it. That's it. May Day. Once he gets a breaking ball, watch out. Yeah. Doc, you, you were you were saying it. Watch out for the bullpen. Everybody's trying to poke holes in the roster, find a spot that may not be a strength, and people tend to say the bullpen. But you told us. Yeah, you know what? And I, and I think that I, I really did, and I wasn't just saying that for rhetoric. I, I just really believe in the guys. I, I think that we have the, the guys that are left-handed, right-handed, that get both out. I love the, the veteran guys that are coming off subpar seasons that have a chip on their shoulders um, with people, the naysayers, doubting them. And I love the younger players trying to uh, vie for more innings. And, and I think that's good. And there's just a great rapport down there. And the funniest thing, guys, is the Buffalo Bazooka, whatever his nickname is, Gratterall, <laughs> man, he is like everyone's favorite player. And he's like the glue to that pen as far as kind of the naivete, the, the uh, politeness, the bulldog in them. It's just, it's a lot of fun for the veterans and the young guys and position players to gravitate towards them. Like the teddy bear down there to poke a little bit, huh? It, it's great. And, and honestly, Oral, it's, you know, Andrew uh, Freeman and I were talking yesterday and we were just talking about how it's fun to watch Mookie Betts play, even when he had a 546 OPS, we're just watching him play baseball. And Mookie's a guy that takes ground balls every day and just loves to play. And Gratterall's the same way. He's out there in batting practice. He shags all three groups. He comes in early and does his work. And then he's like picking up baseballs. And it's just like he just loves to be out there and realizes how lucky he is to be a big league ball player. So we came into this season knowing like Betts and Bellinger, the headliners. We said Seager is kind of under the radar MVP candidate. Watch out for Seager. Nobody saw Pollock coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing is that we can't appreciate what it is when you only know one ball club and then you come over by free agency. Um, You put on 10 pounds of muscle because you feel that's the way to go. So 
all that stuff that's going on, um, you know, got him off to a cold start. Loved being here. And um, and obviously with the stuff going on in his personal life right now, which a lot of good stuff with the baby, baby Maddie and his wife, Kate. And so now he's just really settled in and um, playing fantastic baseball. It's been a good trip. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon, final game of the trip tonight in San Diego. But I think the most encouraging thing is it's not been a great trip. Like you haven't played that well yet. Yeah, I, I agree. And I really understand that the win loss matters. Um, but I think for me, it's, I've always talked about, you know, how we go about it, how we play the process. And I really believe that because I think with the talent, I know the talent that the wins will be there. And yeah, I just don't think um, we're playing great baseball. I think we're pitching really well, which yeah. is obviously important. I think we're catching the baseball, which is obviously very important. And outside of that one uh, catastrophic day on the base, I think we're running the base as well. Um, but outside of that, you know, the hitting, you know, there's a couple of guys swinging the bat well, but there's a good part of our lineup that needs to get on track. There's a new schedule in baseball because of all the different things with the COVID. Uh, do you think some of the slow starts in some of the games for our offense is because the guys can't get their extra hitting and they can't get as prepared as they used to be and maybe they, they don't see the video in between at bats? Do you notice any of that or guys complaining a little bit? No, I, I think it's more of the fact that the shortened summer camp, which I still think was good and what was needed. Yeah. But guys are used to playing, you know, call it four weeks of games against opponents to get ready for a major league season. Now you're talking about playing, you know, half dozen games, inner squad games, and then you're playing three, we at the max three uh, exhibition games. Um, so that's not a lot of at bats. And at that point in time, you're still trying to manage workload and give them two, three at bats and they're not playing nine innings. So I think that they just got to catch up because right now, certainly the pitching is certainly uh, ahead of the hitting. One of those guys that looked great. And I guess this could have qualified as the best thing I saw this week, but how great was it watching Clayton Kershaw pitch the way he pitched and look like he was having as much fun as it looked like. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you, and, and I didn't realize this because obviously I took the ball from him, but I didn't realize that he smiled coming off the field. <laughs> yeah. yep. And, and Oral, you know, man, you don't oh, see well. many pitchers like yourself or especially Clayton come off the field because pitchers, I, I mean, I obviously I understand that there's so much adrenaline, emotion. So to think that you're going to walk up the field and smile, but obviously I heard later that it was a walker and strip in the, in the, in the stands <laughs> above. Yeah dugout like standing and giving him a standing ovation so he sees his two buddies and then he kind of little does a little smirk but even after in the dugout he was kind of like a big exhale and I don't know what it's like to be a future hall of famer obviously but the expectations and to get that first start out of the way and it to go the way it did I'm sure he was pretty pleased you're going to be a future hall of fame manager so we'll just <laughs> move on from, from that okay so after Tommy there'll be you Dave so that'll be fantastic you know what I say, Earl? I tell the guys all the time, what makes a good manager? Good players. Good, players, yeah. good right. thing is, you got them. That's <laughs> what Tommy used to say publicly. Yeah. <laughs> you can't ever forget that. Is there a lot of weird things like that, like Kershaw peeking in the front row and seeing Stripling and, and Bueller? Do you find a lot of just odd stuff that makes you laugh going on with all the protocols? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just like I, I'm on the bench the other day, and I look to my right, and – I see Mookie Betts sitting in the dugout seats at Petco. It's like, what is going on? Or I'm like in Arizona and, and Cody on his off day is sitting in the stands. And 
I see uh, Clayton down below uh, in Arizona in the dugout seat. It's just like the weirdest thing. Um, but it's kind of we're trying to practice social distance and still a little bit have fun with it in the sense of it's not ideal. We all want to be in the dugout, but you still got to give guys some latitude. Speaking of Mookie Betts, are you worried about his hand? No, I'm not worried long term. I, I think what it is is he's not going to be in there tonight as well. The hope is to get him back in there on Friday and use that off day so we don't regress. But it's something that I just don't want to put him in a position where he doesn't feel like he can be himself and swing the bat with authority. And then he's starting to compensate and start to press. And right now in the box, he's in a good place. And we still have a lot of talent that can pick up the slack. So, again, I hope he can get in there on Friday. We saw that tweak like in an inter-squad game and then again in the exhibition and then again here. Is it from too much stickum on the bat? Is the the hands aren't moving? Is is there something that he thinks there's a reason it's happening? That So there are two separate instances. I thought they were related, but the one in the summer camp was the wrist, the, uh, the left wrist, which mm. may be some oral something with the too much sticky on there yeah. or not enough or whatever. Um, and then the one that he had in Arizona, which ironically he homered that at bat, yeah. something with his ring finger. Um, so two separate instances, but then the next day it just really swelled up and just limited that mobility. Yeah. Doc, what was your conversation with Cody Bellinger headed into his his day off? Uh, I went to him after that night game where it just seemed like a struggle, and uh, he was trying to put on a good face, played good defense, and I just went to his locker and said, um, hey, I'm going to give you tomorrow to kind of catch your breath, watch a big league ball game. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I feel good. I'm great. I promise I'm good. And I just said, hey, I know you are. I know you want to be in there. I love you for wanting to be in there, but uh, I'm going to give you tomorrow. And when so he's like, okay. And uh, <laughs> next day he came in just really excited. And you can just see because he, he had an off day and it was like the pressure of getting ready to play a game. To take that away sometimes is so beneficial. And for me to see him homer that first at bat, I thought was a good thing. Have you ever had a player say, yeah, you're right, I need it? Or most of them say, no way. You know what? I would say 99 point guys would say, no, I don't need it. But there are the ones that are good self-evaluators. Like there are times where JT would go, God, I was waiting for you to give me a day off. I, I, I've been stinking. Um, I was waiting for you to give me a day off, but he's just, but uh, yeah, you're right. Oral guys don't want those days off. Hey, how good does he look defensively? He's just moving so well. And you know what I want guys to remember is like, I want guys to, before I forget, is like there was a play against, um, I forgot what play it was. I should remember. I don't know if it was San Francisco series or the Arizona series where there was a ball hit to his right. And he got such a good jump on that ball before the pitch was made because he saw the sinker in and he had a beat on it and he turned the play, which is a bullet off the bat, made the play. And that just speaks to his acumen. But he's worked on his arm strength. His body looks so good. He's moving laterally so well. And um, I, I do think that, you know, Justin, like all players, are so in tune with what people are saying about him. And you start hearing about the defensive deficiencies. He's slowing down a little bit. So guys take that personal. And uh, JT's moving around really well. So many guys on the team that we could ask you about and get a positive story. But we have to ask about Edwin Rios. This guy's got thunder in his bat. He doesn't even need to hit it, and it leaves the park. Oh, God. And, I mean, he just has to touch it. And he, 
I'll tell you, he was like this guy that obviously we're hearing a lot about Edwin and, and he got a September call up last year and a uh, big prospect and toolsy guy, but he's really turning into a major league player. And when you see him on the field now, he just looks like a big league ball player. The game is finally slowed down and he's got some big hits for us. Um, and his defense has got tremendously better. So now I just feel like I can trust him. And he's another guy like uh, Bruce Dar that guys just gravitate towards. And he has thick skin. He can take the ribbing, uh, dishes it out a little bit. Very fun to have around. Hey, how did uh, you spend your suspension game? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I spent my suspension game uh, in a suite. And nice. uh, don't tell anybody, but I had a Coors Light. Watching nice. So I've never had a beer wa uh, watching a game, but I, I felt that I was okay to do that since I was sitting in a suite. Um, watched the game and watched Bob and the coaching staff do their thing. And it was it was actually fun watching the replay of the game because I had the delay. Uh -huh. And watch the game live and watch a replay. And Scott Akasaki and I were sitting in the suite together and watching us win a game. So that was fun. And, of course, the game you're suspended for is the first new extra innings game. Oh, yeah. Right? It, it was it was funny. And just to kind of watch Bob handle it, and um, it was interesting. We didn't do a great, great job executing in that thing, but thank goodness Eddie came through for us. Did you like it? Did you like watching the extra innings game? Um, I mean, obviously you'd prefer to be managing it, but how did you feel about the first experience? I did. I did. And, and I kind of – put my fan hat on a little bit because I couldn't mm -hmm. change the game or impact the game. Um, I liked it. I, I, I liked the way that, you know, we ended up going 13 innings or 11 innings, whatever it was, but I liked the way that it's kind of a different dynamic of the game. And um, I think it's, it should be here to stay in my opinion. We're going to do uh, top four yeah. sandwiches this week. Ooh, Everybody likes sandwiches, right? I am in on the sandwich. I mean, you've been cutting you've been cutting some carbs lately, Doc. Are you still you still qualified uh, to? What does lately mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lately is like the last ten days. Maybe You're not. falling off the wagon a little bit. Hey, if lately is like the last three four months, yes, I have. Okay, <laughs> season pressure changes your diet. I'll tell you that season pressure changes your diet. I hear you. Um, so okay. good time for this thing. sandwiches. I'm going to go. Number four is the classic Italian sub. You know, you get the different Italian meats, the salami, the provolone, the, uh, the Greek olives, olive oil. I'm all about the, uh, the Italian sub. Number three. I love a French, uh, a French dip with the, uh, au jus, Oh yeah, the, uh, the Angus sirloin, just always just dipping it in there, and it's just kind of all over my mouth. It's just perfect. <laughs> it's getting um, vulgar, right? Hey, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is a hot pastrami with uh, Dijon mustard. I, I love a hot pastrami. I'm all about that with some uh, some uh, you know the the, the uh, not jalapeno peppers, but those uh, the banana peppers yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, and number one for me in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park, the yeah. chicken cheesesteak that those guys prepare um, with the onions and the mushrooms, my number one. That's my coach. Doc, when we did top four cereals, Oral went with like cream of mushroom soup or something. So I'm afraid he's going to answer oatmeal as his favorite sandwich. What do you got, Oral? Oh, come on. No, I, you know what? I, I didn't go to restaurants to get these sandwiches. These are all sandwiches that were made in a home, in a, my home, except for one, the first one. My number four is a peanut butter sandwich. 
and it's just peanut butter and bread. And the reason is on my game days when I pitched, I had my pasta and my chicken around 2 o'clock. And then for the 7.05 or 7.35 game, sometimes I would get a little uh, hungry and I'd always make myself in the locker room a a peanut butter sandwich just to hold me over before I'd start. So that's got to be in there. And then everybody knows that's been watching the internet a little bit. I've been taking pictures, Doc, of my dinners up there in the booth. And uh, tuna salad sandwich for me. Tuna salad sandwich is just, I love tuna. I love tuna salad sandwich. Tuna salad sandwich, Yeah. yeah. And I'm staying in the house, you know. So And then my next one is egg salad sandwich. I'm going right for a nice egg salad sandwich. I love it. I love a lot of pepper on it. And my last one has no particular sandwich. It is no particular ingredients. But I will tell you this. I used to ride my bike to my grandpa's and my grandmother's house when I was anywhere from four to about 10 years old. And my grandfather, after school, I would come over there and still be two, three, four o'clock, whatever time I get there, and he would make me a sandwich. And so a grandpa sandwich, a sandwich made by my grandpa Gilman was the best sandwich I could ever bite into. And it didn't matter what he put in it. It was just amazing time to, to have some food with my grandfather. And he would have it ready for me when I would get there. Made with love. That, that, yeah. You can't go wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a sandwich made by somebody else. <laughs> Mine's up where I, I guess I took a little more liberty this time than you did. So uh, <laughs> number four, French dip. At Philippe's, how about that? I would not hey, too far from Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I yeah. love the French dip at Philippe's. I'm so on good, it. they pile it on. You got to have a lot of meat in there. I Number three, getting free here's where I start now. taking a little. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> breakfast sandwich, right? Ooh. You know, like a really well-made breakfast Bacon sandwich. Maybe egg. it's even with a biscuit. Okay. Ooh. All right. So that, yeah. that can really turn turn it up a notch. Number yeah. two is a specific one. You guys ever been to Fiore in South Pasadena? No. It's this tiny little mom and pop spot. They make their own bread. I want to say the guy came from Italy and brought his recipe and he makes his own bread and you can get either a chicken, like grilled chicken or short rib. And I get both. I do double meat, one short rib, one chicken, load that baby up and the bread. It's like melt in your mouth. Oh, just amazing. So specific one there, number two. And then number one, here's where, here's where I kind of take some liberties. How about a cheeseburger? Does that count? (laughs) <laughs> so it but if you're gonna go cheeseburger do you have any specific place for a cheeseburger not necessarily i just I, I will say this if you're going to talk about a cheeseburger and i'm going to add a fifth yeah I, it takes me back to my days at ucla mm-hmm. there was a place in westwood called fat burger and i used to get this king egg burger with cheese and i'm telling you the cheeseburger with the egg on it oh yeah if you like eggs you cannot go wrong with a cheeseburger and add that egg on there that's right back at your French dip where it's all over your mouth. <laughs> it's just dripping. The yolk is like everywhere. It's, it's, yeah, it's everywhere. On that visual, we'll let you go. Uh, finish up the trip well. We'll see you back home Friday night. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. Hey, Skipper, remember to wave to us. Done. You got yeah, it. Okay. <laughs> from the mailbag this week, this comes from Tony Wolf, who's sent us a few good ones. This is a pretty deep question here, Oral. Uh, what has baseball taught you? That could be a title of a book with I know. most baseball players and, and even with you as a play-by-play guy with everything you've been through in the minor leagues and to, to dream about what you're doing and now to do it. Um, first thing that pops into my head is never give up. 
because I wasn't a prospect. I was a suspect. I was cut from my high school team till my junior year. That's the varsity, of course. I was cut from my college team till my junior year. That's the varsity, of course. Uh, then, you know, 17th round draft pick, four and a half years in the minors, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, winter ball in Arizona Instructional League. It's just never give up because when you're on the field and you're still working at it, you've got a whole bunch of prospects around you. So you, you're actually looking at the people that you have to catch just to leave that level. And it's really hard. It's come to work every day. I'm just thinking about the answer as I listen to you and trying to come up with something because you're right. You could write chapters on this. How about uh, the value of routine and consistency in everyday life? Just the, you know, the, the structure that a baseball season provides and what can be learned from that, from having the same thing every day to get yourself programmed in and locked in to be as efficient as possible. Um, I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but uh, it makes a lot of that comes, comes, comes to mind when I think about that. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. I mean, because some people function really well with boundaries and some people function better when they get to freelance and have an open schedule. Mm-hmm. And I definitely function and more efficient when I have a schedule. Yeah, I think that's why I, like a lot of days for the last couple months, just right. like, find myself in kind of a funk. Like, mm-hmm. eh. Just because it's lacking the structure and the routine that we're so used to having. Exactly. Uh, there's another question, just a, a follow-up here from Mariano Tinoco. Did mm-hmm. you ever actually try the pulled pork pierogi hoagie? <laughs> I have not, and I feel terrible. Because I think it's in Pittsburgh, though. So it, Yeah, it took me so long to learn how to say it. Yeah. I mean, that in Takagi tankless water heaters. Have you eaten one of them? Uh, no, <laughs> I haven't eaten one of them. Don't have yeah. one in my house, but... Uh, I didn't even get a water heater for saying the commercial. Boy, oh boy. Jeez. I, I got Takagi. I got a bad agent. I guess. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to in the week ahead? Well, I think this is going to be a different week for me. So looking forward is hard because my, my wife, Dana, just got in the car with the two dogs to go home to Vegas for a week to be with her daughter and her dad. And so for me, I'm batching it. And a lot of people know that I've been taking pictures of my dinner. So I'm going to have to make my own dinner. Um, I'm going to be sleeping by myself. I'm not going to have my dog. Uh So what am I looking forward? I'm looking forward to this week being over as far as family life. You are just such a sap, such a sweet (laughs) sap. Uh, You're welcome to come stay at the Davis house always, as you know. I appreciate that. If you get scared when you're How by about yourself. you? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward, and I know you're looking forward to this too. You just let me have this as my answer. <laughs> Having baseball played actually on the field that we're sitting over, you know, looking over. It's been a little weird the last week doing the games on the road off yeah. of the monitors. Now there's actually going to be games at Dodger Stadium. That said, you could make an argument. I've been thinking about this. You could make an argument that it is weirder calling the home games this year than it is the road games off of the monitors. And here's here's my thinking on that. The road okay. games off of the monitors is completely different than anything we've ever done. So you just kind of you, you file it in a totally different folder. Right. The games on the field happening in front of us, it should be normal, but with nobody in the stands yeah. and the environment that you are living in when that's the case, that's weird. All that yeah. said, I can't wait to have actual baseball in front of me. Yeah, and you know what? The the ghosts are going to have to go back in the closets for a while. That's the, true, because the, the lights are going to be, be on. The lights are going to be on. The music's going to be playing. The PA is going to be working. So yeah, 
Uh, AJ Pollock was great this week. We again appreciate him coming on. And next week, we're going to have the Dodgers director of travel, Scott Akasaki, joining us. And I think that's going to be fascinating. It'd be fascinating any year, but especially with the added responsibility he's had to take on in, in this quagmire of a year. I'm going to find out if he's disinfecting the uh, meal money envelopes and he hands them out. Yeah, and the microphone before he talks to us. I don't want him transmitting anything he's brought in from the road through the the microphone. For sure. And we're about done, right? Yeah, so go ahead. So I love you, buddy. Love you too, pal. 